Oh boy, welcome to episode 14 of Loud and Uniform Podcast. We went through and recapped the Super Bowl, much to my dismay. Then we actually had a great interview with uh, Matt Grace of the Richmond Spiders basketball team. Uh, really fun interview, uh, look forward to that. And then we ran it up with some NBA talk and do a little roundtable of college football, college basketball, baseball, and some final thoughts on the NFL season. Uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Really, the Pac-12 was awesome. What's going to happen to Bill Wallen? You separate the art from the artist. Oh, no! <laughs> transparent. You should never, ever do this to, like, now we're going to have Shaq and Ernie telling you, like, what you should be putting your money. <laughs> like, the honor system isn't good enough for us. It's certainly know. not with this group. And and Sean went to go grab an angry soda. I don't like him. The locker room doesn't like him. Uh, He's just a loser. Well, George does just bring down the ethics of our podcast quite a bit. All of the money is in me looking good. You're listening to the Loud and Uninformed Podcast. Hello, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny when the hello coincides with a deep sigh. I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to get right into it. You know, we did this big special on the last episode, this big (laughs) preview episode, you know, where we talked through all the angles of everything. And, you know, you had the one side that was more established, had been there before, probably had a better record over the past couple of years with the guy, you know, but everybody was kind of riding the, the upstart, the new guy coming down. And I thought it was such a big event and it lived up to it. It went all the way to the end. And I think, you know, you could have gone either way. Obviously, the scoreboard is what the scoreboard is at the end. And I'm just really upset for Volkanowski that he I am too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think he was robbed maybe by the officiating. But uh, what can you do? You know, at the end of the day, it's it's final. And I just hope Volkanowski, you know, gets to gets another shot. Yeah. I will say, totally not joking about that whole thing. This is why th- this is when the UFC frustrates me. I don't think your control of wrestling is nearly as impressive as the face punchings, but that's just me. Yeah, we were you, you look at their two faces. After yeah, look the at their face. That should be the judge. Like which guy got fucked up here? And it like, was. I don't. Like, I don't. I don't care. Long. I don't care who was mounting who for longer. That's irrelevant to me. But then Rodney lost every single fight. Yeah, probably. Well, he did lose every single fight, right? Did he? Does he win no, any? No, he wins most of them. He just lost the first one. Wait, he beats Creed the second time. Yeah. Does he? Not. I haven't seen Creed. I haven't seen Rocky two in probably fifteen years. Um, and then he beats Mr. T, and then he beats Drago, and then he beats some man on the street, and then he beats. Uh, <laughs> you know, he beats the current heavyweight when he's like eighty-five, and that's Rocky. He wins Sanders. in that one. Actually, no. I think he loses, but it's a charity match, so it doesn't go against his record. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, no, I thought the fight was really good. Uh, we were we were watching. It was with Minj, actually. Um, it was a good fight. Went the full five rounds. I think it was – it's just tough because nobody – I guess some people do. And Woolman called us a casual because – He I, did. He did. He threw it a – yeah, that hurt. Well, we are. We are casual. We are casual. By definition, casual. But, but, like, come on. It should be catering. It's a fight. Like it should be yes. catering towards entertainment, and it wasn't that fun to watch the guy hop on his back like a backpack, and technically yeah. that won him the fight. No, <laughs> it is interesting when they are able to like get the submission, get the the choke under, 
Like that's the whole point of it. And he wasn't able to do that. Volk was excellent wrestling. Like, at, well, yeah. At and I was going to say, I understand the concept. If you like totally controlled the fight because the other guy couldn't do anything because your wrestling prowess was too great for him. But that, that like the eye test, that wasn't what was happening. Yeah. No. Like, I mean, if this were a street fight with no officials, <laughs> shit out. I also, I also find it funny that UFC, I feel like is the sport the most where after every fight, there's some controversy. And now they're saying Islam had an IV or something. And he, I saw IV. that, that he's a cheater. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like every UFC main event, there's always something that <laughs> they have to pull out. Um, but no, it was cool. I just couldn't believe it was like, 10 a.m. Australian time in Australia when they were doing those. Fights. I was confused about that too. Is that I I was not uh, in any kind of state to be doing the math on what time it was, but I was like, this feels like a fight time here. Is this really well, in Australia? Yeah, like, I what, googled what? it. The early prelims started at like 7 a.m. I guess Jeez. they were like, you know what? We'll give you an event in Australia, but it's still going to be on our time. Uh, and I'm not complaining, although I still think it's too late on the East Coast. Like it's 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 designed to satisfy people in california always uh, in Nevada. yeah um, which leads staying mm-hmm. up till 1 a.m to watch fights is not always my cup of tea although usually saturdays you're kind of up to up late anyways i guess that's their idea but it is uh, why, like asking australians to come in at 7 a.m the main event being at 12 p.m that's just kind of a little bit awkward but they're all these but um Minge and uh, Woman will definitely have him back on. We got good. Uh, yeah, have him on before the John Jones fight. Yeah, we'll have, have him on before John Jones, but that'd be fun. Um, other than that, nothing else really happened in the sporting world this weekend. Yeah, so I heard it was a wrap up here. Uh, I don't think we need to touch on anything else. So thanks for listening. Uh, short <laughs> Sean, yeah. how do how do you? I know obviously it didn't end the way that you the, the way that you hoped, but it did feel like the Eagles offense at least really All right. i wrote down a bunch of notes please go oh, for it no my dad what did you call it for g what was the well that was a hate minute so this doesn't have to be a hate minute but we should give you some time oh. to be unadultered whatever you my, want to say my dad also sent me a list and we kind of have a lot of power <laughs> um slash ad list so i'm just gonna say straight up mahomes is just he's unbelievable he still wasn't fully healthy and he Still yeah. was just amazing. Kelsey is a Hall of Fame talent, probably going to go down as the greatest tight end ever when they win like two more Super Bowls. <laughs> but, <laughs> and he's still scoring three touchdowns a game. Um, the Eagles offense, I mean, we scored 35 points, the most ever yeah. scored in a loss. It, really? Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that stat. Yeah, in the Super Bowl, it's the most ever points scored in a loss. Hurts, Smith, Brown, Gainwell, Goddard, like those guys all looked like studs. They all showed up. Loving game, the running game, I didn't really love too much, but it started yeah. to turn on in the second half a little bit for us. It just, the story is just defense and special teams completely threw this game away for the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, the defense, no sacks, barely any pressures. And I get that they were designing it, but like no turnovers, penalties, all around terrible performance by the defense. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't I, imagine Jonathan Gannon gets a head coaching job after this. Well, apparently he's, a he's like hot candidate. He's getting interviewed for the Cardinals, and our all OC is about to get hired to be the Colts uh, yeah. head coach. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles won every category you would want to win 
first downs, yards, third down conversions, fourth down conversions, offensive points, offensive yards, but lost penalties and turnovers. And those are the only two things that could offset everything else. Yep. That's literally what it did. My biggest moment in the game where I knew that things were not going to be good is third and two. Eagles are down 28-7. We have – it's third and two Eagles ball. They called a QB draw, and so the receivers were all just backs turned going downfield. Chiefs sn- stiffed it out right away. Hurts had to roll out like crazy, and we had to punt. And yeah. that's a situation where I'm just like – and I know the QB draw early in the game on fourth and five was an incredible ballsy call, and Hurts picked up 25 yards earlier in the game, but like – it just seemed like the lack of creativity. That was my one point on the offense throughout the day. I was just like, what the hell? And then I'm not going to use the excuses. Officiating thing at the end of the game, like, what to say what you will about that call, but, I mean, you if you play, if you get one stop in the second half, one yeah. stop, yeah. win that oh, game. Can we I'm talk about the call real quickly? Because I, I, I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't a soft call. It absolutely was. But in real time, if you're the official and you see the jersey grab, what like what are you supposed to do? That's the definition. And the whole thing is is the Eagles, it's a you know high leverage situation. It's third and eight. They decide to go man. And Juju ran not one, but two different routes that'll get you a defensive holding call almost every single time. You ran the whip. And he got a little hold there and then he broke it off downfield, which is the other one that they always get. So it was, it was, it was a good play call for the look that they had. It got them what they wanted. I mean, I, we don't have to talk about how, I mean, cause really the Eagles played a great game. Uh, I, you really couldn't have asked for much more. Just a couple balls didn't bounce their way. The things I wanted to talk about is what does this do for Mahomes legacy? Because we've talked about him as being a gamer. I'm not there yet. We're going to talk more about the game. We got to talk. No, you want to talk more about the game? I'm surprised. I would think you would want to. Yeah, uh, I thought you would want to move on already. I was doing this to you. (laughs) I still have more notes. Um, I thought like Andy Reid's game planning was absolutely phenomenal. Like absolutely incredible. The second half adjustments, absolutely incredible. I do not understand how the Eagles had two, gave up two touchdowns on passing off of motion incorrectly. Two. And yeah. then one of them was so egregious that Holmes could have thrown it to Kelsey or Tony. They were both wide open on the right side of the field. Like nobody from the Eagles picked them up. Like, and but and I get that's Andy Reid found a found a weakness and went after it. Spammed it. And spammed it. And yeah. right by him. Of course, it hurts even more when you say that the <laughs> the Chiefs only scored 31 offensive points. Yeah. It was the one fumble by Hertz, which he got like the like one of the top five highest QBRs in Super Bowl history. Like he played absolutely phenomenal, and it sucks that yeah. that one play might go down. But I would ask you guys: Is Hertz a good quarterback in your eyes now? Because oh, hundred percent, phenomenal. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I still think he's very overrated, and I think this performance kind of um, gave kinda people who think he's a good quarterback more ammunition, and he did play well. Fumble aside which was a costly fumble, obviously. Uh, like, I mean, the stats are very good. My issue is that you run into a little bit of a wall in terms of offensive play calling because I still don't think he can throw the ball. 
Dude, uh, he threw a bunch of deep balls. <laughs> yeah, he looks he great. I don't know what the hell you're talking, talking about. He closed his eyes and threw it up to AJ Brown, who's a beast. That is true. I mean, that one Smith. Smith. like that. Devontae Smith in the fourth quarter, do deep down the left sideline. What are you talking about? The got it rollout on third and fifteen and nails him on the sideline in the corner. What are if you I'm looking? If I'm thinking about the right one, he was wide open. No, he wasn't. All right, all right, so, so all right, all right. no, no, no. The Goddard one was unbelievable. Probably the best throw of the day. The one that he layered right over Sneed. That was no, the 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 only good throw I saw. The only throw I saw from him that made me go, oh damn, like that was a nice throw. Was the Quez Watkins drop? <laughs> like mm, everything else, it seemed like it's been all year. Like it was wide open. It was just kind of a, a system throw. Um, <laughs> and, so and here's I just, what I'll say. Here's I, what I'll say. Think, I think it was highlighted emphasized at the very end the last play of the game like he couldn't even get the hail mary 40 yard uh, it was it was, uh, a dud. It was like a flaccid penis it, it was <laughs> so Dude, this is what i'll say this is what i'll say matter. is that uh, i i think that he showed that he is the best version of whatever people thought that he was and there definitely he made a lot of huge throws i think that some of the most highlight worthy ones weren't necessarily like the deep ball to AJ Brown is just that all that is, is just how nasty AJ Brown is. Cause that was, he was double covered. He was bracketed on both sides. Perfect in a great place, but AJ Brown went and got that. And that was awesome. But they know each other's pages. And like you said, Hurts yeah. put it in the only place the receiver could get it. That yep, was put it like right on the sideline. Claiming um, he closed his eyes and throws it up is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Dude, yeah, look yeah. at the look at the throwing motion. Like stop. It. All right, but what I will say is, I think that the thing that 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 will follow Jalen Hurts probably until his rookie contract is up, um, and maybe this year if the offense gets retooled, is what is he going to be able to do with less than fantastic supporting casts? Because he definitely has that right now, and we saw it. Goddard played out of his mind. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith looked like probably one of the better wide receiver duos that we've seen in a while. The line looked great. They only got one sack all day. And if I'm remembering quite correctly, it was for like a half yard loss. Because um, he, ran, he ran out of bounds. The line oh, he ran out of bounds. Yeah, they didn't even get there. So like the literally line looked unbelievable. That looked like the best offensive line I've yeah, seen. He sat there all day. So I think like to, I think that Jalen Hurts played as well as you possibly could have in this situation. I think more it's just going to be as his career develops and he takes up more of a cap hit, is he going to be able to elevate offenses or is he just going to be the best version of the guy that you can throw in there? And then on the opposite side, uh, I think a quarterback that took up more than 12% of their cap had never won before. And then Mahomes just did it yesterday at 18%. So we have a model now for the super high paying quarterback winning a Super Bowl. And like the chiefs off the line was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And how much of that was the field. Okay. I was going to say, I don't have excuses like the call at the end of the game doesn't bug me. Yeah. But you don't put yourself in that situation, Eagles defense sort of yeah. thing all day. Yeah. A field pissed me off. And I know that going that's going both ways. Yeah. That's but an unbiased upset. There, there was so many times where the DNs just fell. Yeah. They couldn't turn the corner because the field was so crap. Yeah, and the I, I, I don't think that this is a zero sack game across the board if yeah. the field was a little better. I would agree with that. Well, it was pretty both, bad. It looked like there were like iron divots in the middle yeah. of the field, just where both, those both footing teams, came up. They were ice skating. Both teams afterwards um, said came out and said like it was playing in like a swamp. Like it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I just crack up because they were applauding the field pregame. <laughs> They're like, well, because it's something like it cost them like half a million dollars. They've been making 800 grand. years. 
So Oklahoma D- State, apparently the field came from like the agricultural department at Oklahoma State, and they were tweeting about it before the game. And the tweet had like 2,000 quote t- <laughs> about, like, how shitty the field was. Um, like deep take there. What if this was all a Roger Goodell pissed that players want to play on grass, so he gives them the best grass surface ever? I did. Now- yeah, I, did see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, uh, you saw what happened when uh, when the edge defenders couldn't turn the corner. You get a Super Bowl where they put up a combined seventy plus, which is always good for for views. So, um, but I do think with the last call and this whole season kind of ending on a bit of a referee controversy, we talked about this. A couple weeks ago about the automation of referees and and having more eyes on that. Do you guys see this as being a factor towards that moving either direction? If it, if, if that were automated, it would have been a holding call. Yeah, it would have been a – there'd be way more holding calls just like that. So I don't think automation helps, but I think – you know what they might do? They might even write it – like the catch, like make a football move, which is just up to discretion of the referee. They're going to start yeah. putting in tidbits that it's like – it's a defensive hold if you do this. But it's up to the discretion of the referee if it was a football. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the other the other one that um uh, was on full display was the uh, catch, the 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 no catch, no fumble, and then the catch on the sideline, which is something that people have always been upset about because it seems like the rules for what a catch is on the sideline versus what it is in the field of play for a fumble are not. No, like the same, and and that was a weird one too. So, well, yeah, it was funny. A lot of things that people complain about all the time were. were on I love, I love, I love Miles Sanders. Everything's done for the Eagles. I am not going to be upset when he's gone, and he's almost he fumbled twice. Yeah, he fumbled once out of bounds, and the other time it just didn't get called a fumble because he got hit. Bang bang. Yeah. Did you think that was a fumble? I don't think. I think it was the right call to not call it a fumble, but I'm saying like. Why, like you got your Miles Sanders, don't fumble. Yeah, 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 don't, <laughs> yeah, fumble. don't fumble I, at all. So like, I don't thought, leave it up to the left review. He yeah. turned and his eyes were downfield, and I thought it was a fumble. Um, no, I, I don't know. I don't think it should have gotten it's really banged. It's which not it well defined. Yeah. Um, yeah. last thing about the game. I think it was perfect timing for the Chiefs that Mahomes got tripped up and got hurt right before halftime, and then he got a 30-minute break. I think that yeah. would have been very game-changing if that happened in the third quarter and he had to like sit out a, a, a yeah, drive. The amount of steroids they put in his ankle. Yeah. Um, so we <laughs> have a mutual friend, before we move on, who has some some bullet points slash questions. Uh, who is this mutual friend? I He goes unnamed. Okay. Uh, Coward. Yeah, that's a cowardly move. I think you'll be able to figure out who it is. Um, (laughs) So he says, it's time to admit that you let one of the best coaches of all time, Andy Reid, leave. Yeah, I agree. That's not that's not even what like but the Eagles have a Super Bowl to, to 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 show for it. So Jeeb, an anonymous man, probably called Russell Cooper. You know that Andy Reid left because his son died? I did okay. not. I thought that he got. I, I thought he got fired. I thought he, he, a, he got fired. He had a, he had a whole bunch. He had a bunch of off-field issues with his family. That finally goes year. He couldn't concentrate on the field. So Jeffrey Laurie said to him, "Do you need to take a year away from football because his son had just passed away?" Andy That's Reid said yes, and then took a job three days later. Did he really for the next year? Yeah. Well, Ooh. to be fair, he was getting booed. Like he, the fire yeah, in Philadelphia. Can't. He was it's getting silly. Come on. That's, that's not an excuse. Okay. Uh, he also, 
Okay, I'm not even going to ask what your best win was this year. That would be – that's a little mean. But guess uh, what? The Eagles aren't frauds because they went up against the best team, undeniably the best team with undeniably the best player in the NFL who just won MVP and showed up to those stage. Like, defense didn't play great, but yeah. their offense put up 35 points. What yeah. are you talking about? And, and you say the defense didn't play well. I think it's more of I, – I agree that the Eagles are not frauds. Like, I think they should have been the, the, clearly the best team in the NFC by far. I think even if the Niners have their – Pick, pick Lance, they're coming back from the start of the year. I still don't think they're <laughs> they're still I, missing. QB. I agree with you. I don't think they would have had an explosive, uh, uh, explosive enough offense to keep up with the Eagles. Uh, I think the Eagles' offense is deadly. But he wants to know. Speaking of the Eagles' offense, uh, he wants to know if the Eagles should trade Hertz before his contract ends, since they won't <laughs> be able to pay him and keep the rest of the team intact. <laughs> Um, um, so we can pay him. We're not losing anybody on the offense unless Kelsey retires. The cap all works out. It's actually just defensive parts. A uh, lot of defensive parts, though. But good well, thing we'll, to, uh, there's a six million cap increase, and it looks like we'll be able to keep Hargrave and one of the two of Bradbury and Gardner Johnson. And we'll probably let Bradbury go because he did yeah. that holding call at the end of the Super Bowl. He's getting so old. this person was doing some some in depth uh, research into the Eagles contract uh tables and he he noticed that there was a lot of dead cap that had been kind of deferred to future years uh and obviously nfl contracts get messy so it's it's tough to keep track of everything but do you see it being an issue down the line and do you think there's the potential that jalen hurts holds out next year uh no the Eagles already had said pregame that their number one priority is to give him an extension right okay so they're gonna go okay yeah. yeah, he'll get an extension immediately. I also think that the the Eagles are in a great place because they have so many picks. So it's yeah. like those are just cheap, great players who they can just find. Also, them. They don't have to go out and pay people fifteen million. If you trade picks, you get rid of dead cap. Yeah, the cash ex- the cash exchange. Yeah, I think the birds are in a great place moving forward. I mean, you have a great young quarterback. You have a great draft capital moving forward. The thing I, that I would be concerned about is every ball broke for the, for the most part, football is a lot about injury luck. Football is a lot about uh, other teams, injury luck, the way that the season shakes out uh, things went the Eagles way for the most part this year and sure. things did not really go the chiefs way. And they still kind of overcame all of that and came out on top. I, so, I, you know, every year it's just kind of like, you know, if if we have to if we have to throw Gardner Minshew out there in the in the playoffs, we, we you know we might not see the same kind of thing. So it's so just as the as a Titans fan, I'd like to speak to that really quickly. <laughs> I think that the the injury there's definitely luck involved in injury, but like I think the amount of effort and resources that you put into your training staff actually does sure make sure. A, a huge effect. Uh, the Titans have been the most injured teams for the last three years in a row now in the NFL. Yeah, definitely like, not totally random. If that's we're either the unluckiest team in the league, which like we we are, I think, might be. <laughs> snake in the franchise. Although we do a lot of it to ourselves, so maybe not. I was going to say though, I, this might be an uninformed take, but Rabel takes me as the guy that uses every single padded practice that they possibly can. Yes, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, and, I wouldn't be well, surprised if there's a lot of hitting in practices, although these injuries come in game. It's not like they're getting injured in practice. It's just, I, I get that, but it's like build up of hits. No. Yeah. You're right. no, you're right. 
And also if you take kind of an organizational standpoint of like health and safety is first, we want to keep our guys fresh as long as possible. We lean into like whatever the most modern sports science is versus like football means hit hard. You probably have different levels of injury coming out of that. And, you know, I'll, I'll go through now, now that we're two weeks past, I had a bad take that Patrick Mahomes isn't currently a hall of famer. I think with the second Super Bowl, and I'm not just saying if he beat it, it could have been any team, not the Eagles. Like I'm not saying it's just beat us, but like, I looked at his year resume like five years into starting once he started. Yeah. He's got Peyton Manning's resume already. Yeah. He doesn't have the yardage numbers and the touchdown numbers, but like he's got to get there. And so I think this year, this is the crazy one I saw was um, this, this year he led the league in passing touchdowns. He led the league in uh, uh, passing yards, won the MVP, won the Super Bowl this year. There's only three other people that have done that in their career. Which is pretty pretty ridiculous. Like he's a shoe in Hall of Famer tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Kelsey. No, I don't I think, think it was the real that outrageous. Is how many rings does he need to pass Brady as the goat? Because I don't think he needs all of them, but I think he needs at least a good chunk of them. I think, I think he, he already had more impressive Super Bowl wins than Brady. Definitely. Yeah, and I think he passes the eye test over Brady. I mean, Brady isn't even number one in eye test, so we don't even have to have that conversation. But it was like the winning. It's the winning that matters. So I don't know. I feel like Jeeves probably right. I think it's like four, maybe At five. Minimum. Yeah. It's pretty undeniable. I don't think five is unrealistic. I, I think five is very – Super Bowls are very hard to win. We're saying that now, but like even like Sean mentioned two weeks ago, we were not sitting here like, oh, yeah, he's a shoe in Hall of Famer. He's going to keep winning these. Like it is really hard to win a Super Bowl. He's 27. He just yeah. lost a top five offensive player in the league, probably higher than top five, and no, no drop off. I told, I, hey, listen, I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, I, I'm at least uh, trying to be cognizant of my recency bias here and just realize that, like, a couple weeks ago, we were saying they can't beat the Bengals. They're never going to beat the Bengals. The no, Bengals no, really no, own them. saying that? No, we 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 did not Everyone say that. Was saying, what are you talking about? We say that on this Bengals. podcast. We we may have we favored the Bengals, Bengals to win. What? Um, oh, uh, uh, how how did the uh, how the gambling go for us? How do we look? I didn't really check. All I know is that Goddard yards hit. That's good. I don't know about your. I don't know about your guys' receivers, but because my I uh, my I don't my think Noah Gray hit. No great first. No great did not hit. Boston Scott got within two yards on that first drive, and I was like going nuts. <laughs> I put in a uh, I put in a parlay that was uh, Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown, Kadarius Tony anytime touchdown, Boston Scott anytime touchdown, and uh, I was I was gonna retire. I was gonna go move to an island and and get happy and fat. And Boston Scott was so close, and then just never touched it again. How yeah. how much did that, that parlay? <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't ridiculous it was like plus four thousand or something i don't need a lot to retire ah simple <laughs> man <laughs> just gonna eat coconuts game i'll tell you what they went to gain will over sanders and scott and game all looks good and i'm happy if he's our number one back next year how old is he, he young uh, buck game well i'm not sure but yeah he's definitely on the younger side that's good uh uh kenneth Gainwell is Bijan Robinson going to be a Philadelphia Eagle next year? Oh my God! <laughs> Where did they pick? Where did the Eagles pick to be able to ten? Oh, I guess Bijan falls uh, a little but bit. They're also picking ten. They probably could pass on him and get him in this with their thirty-first. Well, we'll see. We'll see how people like running backs this year. 
the Bills might take him. Uh, the Bills need to take an offensive line. Everybody needs an offensive lineman, but except for the Eagles. Hey, my well, it depends on how, like, because Lane Johnson's getting his whatever worked on. That's true. Yeah, I didn't Nelson realize you were playing balls. Uh, Sorry, a lot of you. I just I switched to my phone. Um, I so, I underestimated Dallas Goddard. I would like to say Dallas I, Goddard looked fantastic. Like the catches he made was ridiculous. He. I was impressed. Without naming them, I think he's top six pretty easy in the NFL for tight ends. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the kind of echelon one of like, well, Travis Kelsey's alone, but then there's like Darren Waller and Mark Andrews, and I guess maybe you could put Kyle Pitts in there if you're still playing the potential yeah. game. No, not um, even Darren Waller this year. Darren Waller. Well, he's, he was hurt all year, you know, but we know who he is, right? I think right. Mark – I think Kelsey is 1A. Uh, one, one, <laughs> and then there's no one in two, and then three is and, Mark and, Andrews. Well, no, Andrews is the second. Andrews has yeah. to be second. Who's better than yeah. Mark Andrews? And I think no, no. And I was just saying that there's a full tier between Travis Kelsey and everyone else right now. So I do want to probably we'll wrap up here on the Super Bowl, but uh, I do want to let the listeners know when the flag happened at the end of the game on Bradbury. I was sitting at a party with 40 Eagles fans. We were all going nuts. I was set to sleep there at night with 15 other people. On There was only one couch. Um, <laughs> obviously, I would have done that if they had won because we go party on abroad. It would have been a lot of fun. We were right by Broad Street. When that flag hit, I switched my Amtrak train immediately to 1130. I grabbed oh. stuff and left the house. I didn't even see the rest of the game. What a, I, What did you do? I just went back to DC and when I got back to DC, I still had so much adrenaline. I went, I grabbed my bike and I did a night bike ride at the monuments at 2 a.m. <laughs> so I assume I saw you listening story. to Lil Peep the whole time. Yeah, and honestly, it was, it was really beautiful and kind of surreal to be the only person on the national mall. It's pretty cool. Riding around, but it was definitely sad boy hours, uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but it was good head clearing, and honestly, I suggest anyone to go on a night bike ride to the mall. It's beautiful. I saw uh, your story of the night bike ride, and I was like, "Oh, he's just going to get home." Oh, he's and going no, through. He 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 le- he got home and then left. I knew I knew Sean was going to be in sad boy hours for 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 a while. I was surprised. I thought when you came on that you were going to have your hair dyed black and that you had like a piercing on your eyebrow or something. Yeah, and I all uh, emo. I yeah. uh, canceled my PTO today and decided to work as a punishment. that is so much worse oh man you must feel terrible yeah not great not great but um no it was a lot of fun it was a great weekend up until up until but um until up until the defensive holding call today we were very happy to have a special guest on uh, we'd like to welcome current Richmond Spider basketball player Matt Grace onto the podcast. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Matt, we were just so excited to hear when you wanted to come on. Shout out Ben Smith for uh, setting up the connection there. Thanks, Ben. Uh, you know, we're just we're just three sport enthusiasts, Spider alumni. Um, actually, two of us were at two of the games this past week. I was at the GW game, career high in points. Well done. Uh, Thank you. I think GB were this past week and at the Spiders game down in Richmond. Yeah, Loyola. Nice. Game. That was a good one. Um, so this is you're like an A tier guest for us to get, and we and we love this. <laughs> you know, you hit two 
essentially game-winning shots in the A-10 tournament run last year, which was in D.C. I was at all four games. I know Skyler and G made it up for some. Um, and I just want to start right there. As a fan, it was an unbelievable experience to go there Thursday through Sunday, keep showing up, keep seeing great wins. What was it like as a player to go on a hot tournament run like that? Yeah. I mean, I always said this, like, even now, it's like, it's all a blur, man. It's just like, even, yeah, like a year later, it's still barely set in, like, kind of how that everything just happened so quickly. And it was like, right up to the halftime of Rhode Island, we were down like 15 and a half. And it was just like, things were not looking good. We, we had like a decent season, but we all felt like we could have done better. And then just like, from that point on, we were just kind of like, you know, this is our this is our last chance for all these guys here. Um, might as well make the most of it. And I mean, yeah, from that moment on, it was a blur. It was just game after game after game for like a week straight or whatever it was. And crazy experience, something I'll definitely never forget. And it was an awesome time. My yeah. liver's not going to forget it anytime soon either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I remember it was also cool going from Thursday where, you know, it's a Thursday night crowd first round of the A-10. So it was decent, but you had some passionate fans and then it just grew and grew. And then by Sunday, it was a crazy atmosphere. Might as well have been a reunion. The place is packed. It's awesome. <laughs> it was um, insane. Yeah. And I have a question about that game winning N1 against Davidson. When you guys were in the huddle before that, did you do like a Steve Kerr to Jacob Gilliard, Michael Jordan? You were like, I'm going to be open. Give me the shot. <laughs> <laughs> or was your number called by Mooney? What was what was going up in, before that? Um, I don't know if this has ever been told before, but I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys know. You guys can be like the first. Oh, let's go! Uh, <laughs> um, this the whole situation is thanks to Tyler Burton. Um, really, he messed up the play. <laughs> it was actually supposed to be for him. Wow. He was on the wrong side of the court, so it just happened. Thankfully, <laughs> I had a whole wide open side of the court to myself. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to take it. Might as well. And oh, that's awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it worked out perfectly, but thanks, Tyler. <laughs> Wait, so what happened? You just lined up on the wrong side? And was there like a moment of panic or anything? Or you were just like, great, I'm on an island. They shouldn't leave me here. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really panic. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, like, I was like, this is a lot of space. It perfect. Yeah, showtime. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that was – you just looked, like, determined. You got the ball at the three-point line, and you saw who was on you, and you went, the disrespect that they had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking him to the hole, and I'm getting this M1, and we're um, walking yeah. away with the title. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Uh, one more question for me. After the 8 10 honestly, went into the tournament, and you get matched up with everybody's dark horse favorite for the Final Four in Iowa – who had a lottery pick player on the team. And you guys came out with another victory. And, and what was it like going in? Because you guys were underdogs in the A-10, but you're familiar with the opponents. Like, you maybe don't feel like a pure underdog in that situation. But going up against, you know, Big Ten country, Iowa. Keegan Murray. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, obviously Big Ten champs. Um, it, it was just like a, a whole other animal at that point. Um but once we started watching film on them and everything and, and seeing how we matched up with them, uh, we were like, you know, they're beatable. It's, it's, it's the Big Ten, but, I mean, we're all college basketball players. You know, they got a lottery pick and everything, but we can match up well against them. And then I think 
probably like within the first media like playing against them and, and feeling it out a little bit we're like you know we're right here like we we can beat these guys they're, they're not like you know they're not nothing crazy so I think after that we just had a lot of confidence and playing off that run from from the A-10 tournament everyone was playing well um, lots of confidence and yeah it was good Awesome. You made up, you had a big drive in that game. I remember that put us up going down. So, yeah. Just keep that up this year. We'll need another. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. I already put my life savings on a national championship. So, Matt, <laughs> we, uh, we, we've obviously been watching you play for quite some time now. We've been watching you play since you were a freshman and you got like pretty considerable playing time as a freshman that has just steadily increased uh, basically since then. So from from a role perspective, what you were asked to do as a freshman and then as that progressed, what, what does that progression really look like? Um, yeah, I mean, we we've really up until this year had like kind of the same core for the most part with like, you know, Grant, Jacob, all those guys uh, for the four years, uh, the past four years. So, I mean, my role at the start was I, I, I was a freshman. Like, I don't really know what was going on. I was just trying to <laughs> do whatever I could to help. I don't know. Um, but as that progressed, I was kind of more com- getting more comfortable, uh, allowed to take more risks on offense and stuff like that. Um, but even still last year, for, for the most part, I was tr- just trying my best to know, you know, like get in there and um, not do anything crazy. Like it's not like I averaged a crazy amount of points or anything like that, but just do anything I could to help us. Um, and then this year without those guys, you know, losing a lot of scoring with Grant and Jacob and them leaving. Um, I think my role has like finally evolved into being somebody who has to go and, and try and score and be as aggressive as I can be. Um, I think this is kind of the first year that that's been a requirement. It's, I could have scored zero points last year in a game and we still would have been okay. We could have still could have won with all the guys that we had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> which way? Which, which way? I think you still probably needed to score a couple. We were there, yeah, but <laughs> do you, and do you like it more? Do you like going out there and being aggressive? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. I mean, is that like when you were playing in high school? Was that more? I, I'm guessing that getting to a, becoming a Division One basketball player that you must have been pretty aggressive in high school. But was it kind of an offense that ran through you back then? Um, a, a little bit. We had in my school, we had like six D1 guys in our team, so Man. we were pretty consistent. <laughs> Had a, had a few guys who could score, but yeah, it, it was it was a little bit more like that, for sure. That's kind of like our pickup game, Skyler. We got a couple, you know, D one talents up on the black courts. Oh, of course, of course. We just missed a chance. We just missed our chances. <laughs> <laughs> same with Ben, right? Yeah, same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he has a nasty spin move. Sure. Sharp elbows. <laughs> sharp elbows. <laughs> Jeep, you got one? Uh, no, I mean, I was going to ask how the transition from last year's roster to this year's roster has been. Obviously, uh, you, you just covered that. Um, well, how about this year's team? So you guys have been a little up and down, I think, finding yourselves with so many new transfers and everything. Um, but, you know, that GW game, heartbreaking, double overtime. But I feel like you guys are starting to play some really good basketball. And the Loyola Chicago win started to see get a W there. Um, how's the team kind of feeling moving towards the end of the season here? Yeah, um, I think we definitely needed that last one, especially after the GW one. I mean, that was 
a tough loss. Always tough to lose in overtime. Never mind double overtime like that. Um, especially, I thought we played really well offensively and everything. So it's it's just tough. Those two guys hit some tough shots, but it is what it is. Had to move on. Um, yeah, like you said, I think everyone's really starting to come together. It's always tough. I think um, getting into the the style that we play, especially for like transfers and stuff. I think it's a different type of style. Um, so guys like Zay and and Neil and Jason Roach. I think now are are all really clicking and getting used to it. And then same with the guys who who didn't play as much in the past, like Jai Bailey's done really well and the freshman, Jason Nelson. I think everything's really starting uh to come together well now. Um and I mean, yeah, this is this is kind of the time where it matters most. So hopefully right. we can uh keep coming even even more. We got LaSalle up next and Hopefully we continue off this uh, loyal Chicago win and keep it pushing through the March. Yeah. So you mentioned the transfers and that's been a big topic in college sports in general is NIL and transfers. Uh, how have you noticed any big differences? Uh, um, I mean, I think our transfers, they've been great. Um, like I said, all, all three of them have, have come along really well and it's just kind of the new reality of college basketball. I mean, I know in the past, Coach Mooney's he's, he's kind of said he, he he doesn't love transfers. He loves guys who kind of stay four years just because you buy into the system, you learn you learn the offense and all that, and it's just a lot easier to coach and stuff like that. But it is, like I said, it's just kind of the new reality. And and all three of these guys that we've got this year have all bought into everything really well and, and I mean, adjusted extremely well. So I, I'm, I'm sure that um, – that's helped Mooney kind of change his opinion on that and uh, kind of become like more agreeable towards transfers in the future. Um, yeah. It's, it's exciting. Given that the NIL stuff kind of passed, like while you were at school, have you seen like, I mean, obviously with the transfers that factors in a little bit, but like for, for Matt Grace, how is, how is NIL being a thing changed your life? Um, personally, I can't, I'm, I'm a Canadian. They won't let me do nothing. So. Really? Oh, I didn't realize wow. that. No way. It's a visa, uh visa I don't know, against my visa. So no way. Get my ass deported. <laughs> that I did not know that. that I didn't wild. know that either. That's wild, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cruel. That's cruel. That's not wild. Yeah. Anti Canadian. Me and Goose, man, we can't do nothing. So <laughs> that hasn't affected me. <laughs> But has it, you know, I mean, you're still around it, right? So, like, have your teammates, can, you know, started showing up in Mink with Lamborghinis? Not quite that level yet. None of that. None of that around Richmond. But, I mean, <laughs> I know Tyler's done a few things, getting gotten some, you know, nice little setups. So. Sure, some extra dining dollars here and there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the deal you want. Speaking of dining dollars, what's your go-to Tyler's order? Mine was always I, the same. I mean, I love a farmer's wrap. Farmer's oh, wrap. Yeah. 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 I'm getting I feel like that's also the athlete's answer for sure. The farmer's wrap is a little healthier. Farm you get a little protein. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the nutrition facts on the buffalo chicken wrap, but it's uh it's pretty horrifying to look at. <laughs> I don't mind the buffalo chicken wrap either. Light sauce. Light sauce, yeah. If you go heavy, you're like gonna be sweating. It's oh oh yeah, for sure. Um I also want to know like talk about ballers like they they have certain guys that they love to watch play or maybe they try and mold their game after uh who is that person to you whether it's nba college or whoever 
Yeah, I was I was always a Kevin Love guy. I tried to make like <laughs> Let's possible. Um shoot I the see ball that. a little bit, kinda, you know, post up a little bit, a little bit of both. You know, big white guy. It's me. <laughs> It's actually a good transition. You are uh, you are in a lineage of of incredible big white guys from Richmond, going from TJ to Grant to now you. That's do, what we do. Do you do you feel at all the the pressures of the expectations to carry on the great white hope? Yeah, of course. And then Neil's up next, and we got the next guy too, Mike Walls. He played uh, he played a little bit last game, but he's going to be the next great white guy. Giant, <laughs> I guess that's what we got going on. Yeah. That's fun. Um, so another thing, nil Canadian, everything like that. But Canadian balls on the rise. Like if you mm. look at some of the guys in the in the league and around the league, um, you know Jamal Murray, SGA, Nathan Ko. You know, like all those guys, great, great Canadian basketball players. And Matt Grace is in there now too. Hey. Um, and I think you're probably part of that first generation of really good Canadian basketball players. So what was it like growing up in Canada playing ball and seeing the talent rise yeah i mean i think a lot of that had to do with the success with the raptors and how um how well they did just winning that national uh winning the nba championship a few years ago as well but yeah i mean like i said before we had like six um d1 guys just in my class um in high school i went to high school with shay um like just you know lots of talent um and I think other, I mean, obviously other than the U S Canada has the most players in the league. Um, most players, I think in NCAA as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's becoming, it's, it's way more accessible than hockey. And I think a lot of people are realizing that, um, hockey was the biggest thing, but I mean, it's just so easy to pick up a ball and find a hoop and just play basketball. So it's, it's something that's really grown and continues right. to grow in Canada for sure. Did, did you, you ever play, play hockey? hockey? Uh, <laughs> I had to, yeah. I got too big, though. I was gonna say, at what point did you grow out of it? Uh, I stopped in eighth grade. You're like the you're the same size as Chara, though, right? You could have. I mean, probably. Yeah, I was a giant on skates. That was just too much. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I use yeah, I'd use the height for something better. Right. <laughs> it's a lot more distance between you and the ice when you fall. Says. So. Yeah. <laughs> The head's got a long way to fall. So we actually got you here, not because of your basketball skills, but because of your financial savvy. So we were wondering if you had a stock pick for our for our guests or for not for our guests, for our listeners. Stock for you guys? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I bought Meta at like 300. You don't want to listen to me. <laughs> I thought it was cheap. It was going to go back up. It went down to 90 or something. I mean, it's coming back a little bit. If you want to hop on that, hop on that. Yeah, I'm long term meta. Someone, you guys can jump on the meta train with me. Good. All right. We'll take back to 300. I think we just got monetized. So we'll take it all. We'll put it in meta and then hopefully that'll uh, shoot us to the moon. Perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, You guys have any last questions for Matt? Well, I think the 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 last one is, you know, what's what's kind of next for you after this? Are you are you planning on playing ball post college, or are you joining the workforce to become a stiff like the rest of us, or what's the plan here? <laughs> I'm considering all options, really. Um, I that's a diplomatic think, answer. Yeah, I it'd be I think it'd be cool to play overseas or something like that. I'm definitely gonna think about that, but I mean at the same time, I'm also doing my little networking and 
<laughs> talking to people about jobs and all the all the good old grown up stuff, you know. Yeah, it's like when Tom Brady yeah, resumes. Yeah. Tom Brady's resume is still out there. Yeah, from- exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. So one day Matt Grace's resume will be legendary. Yeah. Well, I sent it around. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. that's awesome. Well, Matt, it was awesome to have you on. We really appreciate you talking with us, joking with us. It was a good time. Um, and you know, you're you're our first athlete guest. We've had guests before, but you're our first athlete. And I think when we when we hit it big, you know, when this is big time, we're never gonna forget our first. So don't don't let don't <laughs> you never you never forget your first. <laughs> as soon as we get the merch uh aspect up and running we'll send you a t-shirt oh yeah we'll send you some gear i was gonna say when you're playing in the a10 tournament you look up in the stands and if you see three uh differently shaped fellas with with matt spelled wrong painted on their chest (laughs) that's your friends at loud and uninformed oh i love it awesome (laughs) thank you yeah when you got lebron on just remember who i am too (laughs) yes we will (laughs) thanks matt thank you matt thank you guys for having me yeah of course yeah thanks So that we can fanboy more of Matt Grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it was great having him on. Matt's a Matt's a great guy. Um, kind of keep on the basketball topic. NBA trade deadline went, came and went. And we haven't we haven't even talked about. We haven't said the words Kevin Durant and the Suns in the same sentence on this podcast yet. The NBA tried to steal the Super Bowl headlines as it always does, and it did pretty well this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. My big question is, well, first we can talk about the Kevin Durant trade. Yeah. I think this means, because I'll be honest with you. I know that he probably put the demand in if they didn't get another star by whatever that day was, Wednesday, that he was going to demand a trade. That was probably the deal. For KD. For KD. And when KD didn't, when they did get that, gets all shipped out to the Suns, the Nets get Mikel Bridges. Who's the other player that they got? Another decent young guy. Cam, uh, Cam, Cam, Cam Johnson, yeah. Cam Johnson and four first, future first. Unprotected, I think. I still think okay. the Suns hosed them in it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, so the, the big thing is that they're all unprotected, right? So, I mean, that's pretty unprecedented as far as a trade like that goes. And then the second thing is giving up Mikhail Bridges, who is probably better, is probably more valuable as an asset than any of those four unprotected firsts. So Absolutely. I agree with you. It's It does not hold up on the Rudy Gobert trade value graph, but I would say like pre-Rudy Gobert or like what you would expect, like that's that's a haul. I get that. And like, you can always trade first round picks, like maybe the, but my thing is as long as health and that's the big roll of die, you know, as long as health is there and Devin Booker and KD stay happy in Phoenix. Big if. Da, 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 da. Those picks aren't going to be better than 25. Well, but I think the way that the NBA works is so short-sighted that we could have had this conversation about the Nets a year ago and go like, well, they're going to be good for five years, a decade. And then it's like, no, they, you know, they're terrible by the time we're already like a year into it. So I, I know what you're saying. So maybe at the end of those two, but like yeah. this year's is going to be... Okay. This year's won't be good. Next, Next year's probably be won't be good. But then I think the goal is you catch them on a blow up. And, and, I know Katie, and they're probably trying to move them too. And Katie leaves in free agency. And this was his first trade, I think. Is that but true? Like, he's, so he left the Thunder in free agency yeah. for Golden State, left Golden yep. State for the Nets. In free agency, yeah, you're right. And he does, he has moved around, obviously. 
but he's not like a hardened Kyrie trade yeah. demand. Although yeah. he did preseason, I know he did say he wanted to be traded in preseason when everything was going to shit. So maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping the gun there, but I don't know. Mikel Bridges thing, awesome asset. I think he's an excellent third option on a team that already has an established one too, and yeah. that's my thing. I don't know if he can make that next leap to be an all star and be a one two. I I would wonder if there's a team with a like let's imagine a uh, an almost like Warriors type situation from a couple of years ago when they had the number two pick but they were trying really hard to 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 contend. That's yeah. the kind of thing where I could see they go you know flip Mikael Bridges for a number two overall pick like something like that. Like he's a very 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 good asset to have. And I think if you were in a place where it's like. We play out the year with KD. He demands a trade later. We try to hold on to it. Yeah, you could do that. Um, but they already lost Kyrie. They already knew they were going to blow it up. It's like refill the coffers and take another stab at it in the offseason. I don't hate it. But you're yeah. right. The The Suns got a lot better and now have to be the favorite, right? Yeah. So I think they're the favorite from the West in my eyes. Yeah. Because just the Nuggets and Grizzlies are unproven to me. Yeah, and they but, didn't get much better at the deadline. Much better. I thought the Nuggets got worse. Yeah. Losing Bones, and I know that was the talk. He was going to move no matter what, but, like, he was great scoring off the bench for them. Yeah, Why, and the Nuggets seem to have this issue where their best players just can't play defense. So you have to choose between are we going to have good players or players that can play defense on the court, and that's just a losing conversation. Right. I don't know if that will ever make it the way they are. They might need to get rid of Jamal Murray, as sadly as it is, if they want to ride the Jokic train and get like good on-ball defenders all around him because he's not helping in the paint either. Right. And then, you know, obviously the other big trade was uh, Kyrie to the Mavs, which maybe that happened on our last up. No, it did. We did the it broke, Yeah, that one broke while we were talking. Broke while we were alive. But, and I watched them play against the Kings and they lost in overtime. They're just going to be so bad defensively. Like so bad defensively, and I looked up because I got into an argument with Minge this past weekend when I was at his house about the Kyrie Irving thing. Um, and I get the argument when he's on the court; he's a spectacular player. But I looked up and averaged out how many games per year he plays over the last five seasons. He plays thirty-eight. No. Yeah, and some of that, that was low? some of it was injury, some of it was vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> like some of it was retweeting a movie about Nazism. Right. But like <laughs> whatever him, the reason with him, that shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> that's part of his, that's part of him. So like he's so talented, but you're only giving Luca help for like half the year. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally and agree. Is that, that the help you want? Right. Right. Well, but I think you look at Kyrie and you could look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as the guy who has who has averaged playing half of the games in a season every season. What did you say? Last five years? Yeah. Last yeah. five years. Or you can look at him as the guy who, you know, won helped LeBron win a title in 2016 and go, he can be that guy for Luca. He's the running mate Luca never had. He's that guy if he can if he can fit into that role, maybe in like a smaller market where there's less cameras on him and everything, maybe he can do it. So I see why you take the risk, but I agree with you. It's a it is a big, big risk. And that's the argument because it's like, remember that 2016 finals? Kyrie made the big seven years ago though. (laughs) Like it's it's so long ago. And ever since then, he's just been ridiculous. He's Jeeb's least favorite player in all professional sports. (laughs) Not true. (laughs) but he's up there uh i i don't know that that, that's its own episode 
<laughs> like, I will take some time and prepare for it. It's not Kyrie, but he probably cracks the top ten. The the other one that I really wanted to talk about that I actually think was Dwayne Dedman to the Sixers in the buyout market. That was a great. That was actually a great move. I was, uh, that wasn't what I wanted to talk about, but that was a great move. I don't think, I think the Lakers made some really really good moves. Um, and we'll see if it's enough because they look terrible. Um, and in theory, they're always like should be good, and then they're not. But the moves make sense. Yeah, I got to bring up Kevin O'Connor's stupid power rankings he made. He made. He's the Rangers. oh, and put the Lakers at six or something. Yeah, and I'm unbelievable. Just... Yeah, I saw that too. I get it though. I really do. I, do you want to see a, a a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis in the first round of the playoffs? No matter who you are, no. Oh. And like I get what he's like getting at. They have a chance to win the title, and there are teams that have a much better record than they are and look a lot better who don't because they just That's don't. Have- they have a second round exit. He can make the argument that they were the sixth best team in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> which is so right. dumb. Which is so <laughs> dumb. But that's why he did it. Yeah, because they get to the second round. He can make that argument. But it had um. So I think I can't find it now. But it was like Suns, Celtics, and Bucks. Are the three favorites? Yeah, true contenders. Yeah, and then if I'm remembering correctly, then it was the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Lakers. Yes, yeah, they had the Lakers above the Sixers. I remember. Yeah, and then it was like Sixers, Mavs, yeah, whatever, like the rest of the group. And listen, I'm sitting here in a city that's lost three championships in in a in a year so Let's far. Make it four. I at least know the Flyers suck and aren't making the playoffs. And the Sixers are destined for a second round exit, as they always are. So I'm my heart can only take so much. And if the Sixers went on a run, I don't know if I could do it. So <laughs> but isn't a run good at the very least? Back. If this if the Sixers go on a run and let's say go to the finals and lose in the finals, doesn't that oh, at least yeah. give this iteration of the team like there's it, definitely a sort of accomplishment and we, in yeah and now fun. now we are retooling we're not talking about overhauling we're talking about getting championship level pieces to guard on the wing or whatever and don't get me wrong like i i would love a sixers run of the finals it'd be right. awesome, but like <laughs> but, but then the heartbreak is just bigger yeah but um so i'm not going to argue that the sixers should be i think they're above the lakers but i'm not going to argue that they need to be a higher title odds than than six or whatever yeah. that is yeah. but um I don't know. It sets up for an interesting end to the year. The Celtics, everybody keeps saying how deep they are, but it's the same problem that I think the Celtics have had the last couple of years. Mind you, they were good enough to get to the finals last year. So Celtics fans, before you get your pitchforks out and your flames, like, <laughs> me out. I really only trust one and maybe two guys on their team to be taking shots at the end of the games. And that's Tatum always. And sometimes Brown when he's playing well. Sure. That's fair. And like depth will get you far. The 73 win Warriors, super deep team, obviously can put it together. But more often than not in the NBA, it's the team with the stud, like the three killers. It's it's who's your best player, really. (laughs) It usually comes down. Not just your best player, though, because you can can hone in on one guy. That's true. Unless they're generational talent, you know, Jordan, LeBron, like that kind of generation. Yeah. Well, even the, like, look at the Mavs. They beat LeBron. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the Warriors beat LeBron the in 2015. And it was a deep team, and they beat the Heat. And that's a counter argument. But I think if you look back at the last 20 years, there's a couple outliers. And then 
mainly it's the star studded, <laughs> yeah. maybe not the deepest team in the NBA, but they have a fucking amazing like four. Yeah. I think that their problem is I don't really trust many of them to run an offense. They have such a good defensive team, but you're right. Like there's offensive shortcomings there. You could call it shot making. You could call it playmaking, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, but you're right. Things can just get a little stale when Jason Tatum's standing there and, you know, dribbling the air out of the ball and going ISO. And it's just not really a good way to go about an offense at the end of a game. So I hear that out. I hope that Brogdon's the difference there. I think that was the theory bringing him in. I, I honestly have not even heard his name all season. Couldn't tell you how he's been playing. I don't even know if he has been. I think he might have been hurt. I looked up his stats because I got into a big argument with a bunch of Celtics fans. So I told sure. you. It's good impetus. Um, and he's doing all right, but he's not Malcolm Brogdon from Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Is he like on a 50-40-90 season or not even close? He might win six man of the year just because they're the best team in the NBA record-wise. But like, that'll, be, that'll be my boy Russell Westbrook. Yeah, you're not <laughs> hanging. You're not hanging a banner for six man of the year. Eric no. Snow for the Sixers back in the day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now the more the more that I think about it, it's really gonna be the problem though with the KD Suns is when's the last time that a team went through a major rework this close to the playoffs? Even like the year before the playoffs, and it worked. Kawhi and the Raptors. But that was in mid Why in the Raptors. You're right. That is the last one. That They're was... also one of the random outliers. They are an outlier. Yeah, that whole uh, season was an outlier because they probably shouldn't have won the title if... Like, those Cavs teams always got revamped at the mid-year mark. So maybe that year they won, they got revamped at the midway mark. But, like, revamped with who, you know? Like, they always had LeBron and Kyrie, and then everyone else was just kind of like... Hey, those were always the, uh, <laughs> the, the, like, graphics that were like LeBron James and Kyle Korver. And Darren Williams. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't like – it'll be interesting to see if this team is capable of gelling that quickly. And it's not like KD is this this consummate winner who is just is magnetic for these titles. Like, no, the only titles he's ever won is when he wasn't even – like, arguably wasn't even the best player on the team. So, I, like, I, I don't know. I, I would want to see it first, but um, I get it. I think the Clippers got better getting bones. That was something that they were missing. So, okay, I, that was good for the Clippers. They also, they got rid of Wall, which I don't know why they ever took Wall in the first place. Because I think um, in theory he could have been good. Yeah, in theory. In theory. But um, so my whole thing with the KD thing, some people are on the side that you're giving up this package for this 34-year-old sort of thing. Yes, he's an electric shooter. He's injury-prone at this point, yada, yada, yada. If I am any team outside of, like, the Warriors – just because the Warriors, I feel like, are also that dangerous team that if they're healthy, they know how to win. Yeah. But they didn't need the KD addition. Well, if I was a Sixers, I would have thrown a package out there. I would have thrown Tobias, Matisse, Maxi, and to first to get KD. And how many firsts, you say? Four? All of them? If you're putting Maxi and Matisse and Tobias, you're probably not putting four. But you're, you're, but maybe I'm. Be know. better than a Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson in four package for sure. Can I dumb down the conversation for a second? Please. Is, do you guys like Tobias Harris and his contract? Like, is it a good? So that's the question. I'm glad you added contract in there. I love Tobias Harris. Yeah, he's a great person. He is an essential person for the locker room. He's a great person. And his game isn't bad. No, it's great. But we were in a weird situation that year. where Jimmy Butler had left when we didn't think he was going to leave necessarily. Now the Sixers low balled him a little bit and that's their own fault. And of course he's going to take more money somewhere else. 
But he left, and then we were stuck with Embiid, Simmons, who had been paid or were extended, like they had contracts on the way, and it was like, we have money, and Tobias is going to go get this money somewhere else if we don't sign him. So we did. And you argue that he's worth the $42 million a year? No, you can't. Like, He doesn't have that value. But how the team's constructed right now, I'm not mad at the contracts right now because he's the fourth option. And he's a damn good fourth option. Oh, yeah. And not only that, he's the kind of guy who, like you mentioned it, good locker room guy. He shoots yeah. the ball well. Like, he'll, he'd be good on any team. I just don't think he'd be uh, a very good trade piece for uh, right. rebuilding. Well, Nets. I think the only reason they would he would get to the Nets and the Nets would want him is because of contract matchups. Yeah, to match. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even necessarily even call that a positive. That might be like a way that the, like they're absorbing the contract to make it work. Right, right. Um, and, and not that he's a useless player or anything, but like that could be a buyout situation pretty quickly after that. So yeah. um, I, I hear what you're saying. Like it's KD, you should maximize your window if you're a decent team. And if you're the Suns, how much how much more Chris Paul do you have left? I and, think the Suns looked at it because two years ago, everybody was like, oh, the Suns are building stuff for, for the long term. Yeah. And then the Suns realized you have to win one. Yeah, yeah. You can't you build for the long term without winning one. <laughs> yeah, and that's, the, that's the thing with Celtics. It's the thing Sixers have been facing for years. It's yeah. like, Sixers are stu- have a stud roster. Yeah. They and have you know, to win one. Yeah. You have to win one. Yeah. And that's the same where the Celtics are. You made the finals. Great. You have to win one. So I would say the big difference between the Celtics and the Sixers, though, is that the Celtics have been making incremental steps every single time. And then last year, they were as close as they'd ever been. So I think you watch the progress and you watch what everyone's becoming and you go, Jason Tatum could be our kind of LeBron James light, where like he could be our poster child superstar who's going to bring us there and we have the cast around him he's just not quite there yet where he's like having no bad games and he's going to average 30 through the finals sure but the sixers they haven't really taken that step because like you said they always lose in the second round so there is at least more of an inclination to go out and do something super splashy instead of just building up what you have but i get what you're saying like you gotta you gotta try to win the title (laughs) yes and i know you're trying in the long term but a long-term argument is stupid if you haven't won yet. Yes. Like, you need to win a title and then try and build off of that. But so, I, I there, there's also something to be said about not necessarily mortgaging your future if you're not in the right spot to mortgage your Celtics future. Celtics were well-packaged with assets that they could have made a deal that I think that is true. still kept them available for moves in the future. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's a dumb move that the Celtics didn't make the deal. I was just shocked by how opposed Celtics fans were to KD coming. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if we're having this conversation two years from now and Boston still doesn't have a title, that yeah, this will be and a revisionist, like, oh man, we had a chance to get KD and we didn't. And Jalen Brown is still only yeah, and Jalen Brown is still only an all star on years when they're doing really well at the top of the standings. Like <laughs> There's like, something uh, to be said in sports about like drafting players, kind of home growing the core and like getting attached to those players. Like I I do that with the Braves. Um like I don't want to see players go, even sure. though I do know that like the guy we're like Travis Darno is our catcher. He was on the World Series team. And we get we just got this guy, Sean Murphy. I'm this is really off topic. Oh. No, 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 keep going. I, I love apologize. It. No, 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 keep uh, going. And, and Sean Murphy's a better hitter, like much better hitter. Uh, like it's night and day, but I just really like Travis Darno. And I think that's what Celtics fans are kind of 
I think they think they can win a title with what they have, but I think they might be also a little bit emotionally attached to Jalen Brown. And it is also this bad situation where it's not bad enough to change, right? Like they do keep progressing, but is this team going to win a title this year? Probably not. But if they make it to the conference finals or if they make it to the finals, is that enough of a bad season to shake it up? Then you go into next year and it's kind of the same story. So yeah, I, I totally feel the whole, like, you want to see your homegrown guys do well, all of that. But there's also a level of you got to maximize your window while you have one. And who knows? Like, Jason, T- it's it's such a player's league. He could decide he wanted to leave tomorrow. And right. he could really do anything about it. So you got to maximize winning when you can. And, you know, I, and I, Jeep, I totally agree with you. I much more enjoyed rooting for the Sixers team that lost to the Kwai on the triple bounce field goal that knocked them out. I much rather rooted for the Sixers team three years ago. That was like this core that they built together and got the first seed in the East and then went out in the second round. This team on a nightly basis, I still watch their games, but like, I don't love the players. Like I loved that team. Yeah. But banners fly forever. And that's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah. You might not like James Harden right now, but if he's holding the Larry O'Brien, he's going to have a statue built of him in the same I've been told that I've been told that plenty of times over the last 24 hours that the only thing that matters is getting the banner. And what's and that reference to? Uh, the Phillies, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, or or the Union, or or the Eagles. Um, so <laughs> you got to get championships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and I think, like we mentioned, windows are small. Injuries happen. It's very much luck based. There aren't a lot of these to go around. It's not like just being good is enough. You got to right. get over the hump somehow. And Katie is a uh, is an over the humper. You know, he can he can right. certainly get you there. So it'll be exciting. I think now that we're done with football, we're basically just going to we'll be talking mock drafts and stuff. But welcome to the basketball podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I do think that um, I would love to out. I would love to talk some baseball talk. Catchers and pitchers are arriving in two days. I know oh, what is your what does your dad call it? What's the offseason? Hot stovers. <laughs> we'll <laughs> do a couple of those for you, Ed. Just for yeah. you. Apparently, um, baseball players when they play like winter league, they would all be really poor and get like one house. I guess this was like the eighteen nineties. I was gonna say I don't know. <laughs> like, and when they'd after they go be done playing, they'd go stand by the hot stove for warmth. Ah, interesting. You know what the other thing we need to keep an eye on too is college basketball. I know we've we talk spiders talk quite a bit, but uh on a national level. Turning, yeah, turning on a college basketball game every once in a while. Get we uh college basketball is super fun. I, I watch college basketball like way more than I watch. I don't watch NBA at all. Well, the NBA is nice because you can talk about it in such like theoretical terms without having any idea what happened in the games. Because, you know, when we're talking about KD, it doesn't matter what he did in the last 10 days. You know who that is. We can have that conversation. But basketball is like Alabama's number one right now. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know they have a lottery pick guy, but uh, and we talked about this, but I, I just need to find out more like the stars and like the studs and the guys who are really exciting to watch and stuff. Cause it's been so team based. Well, a few podcasts ago, you mentioned Grady Dick and yeah, Grady Dick's a host. Looks like, like YouTube. That's, uh, that, I, I'm not going to take that as a compliment. He's not. You should say, what are you talking about? That guy runs Lawrence. 
he uh, <laughs> but, but he he does. He's got some swagger. He yeah. he plays really well. He's not even the best player on the team, but he's he's yeah, a he's really a fun guy to watch. There's this guy in Kansas State, Keontae Johnson. He's the guy yeah. who played for Florida and actually almost died. Like he had, I don't even know. That's why. right. He had a heart condition. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So everybody's like, no way he's going to play again. Well, he's transferred to Kansas State. He's playing. He's an absolute animal. Um, we'll have to do a pre-March Madness thing because yeah, yeah. We'll 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 uh, do our research so that we're not just talking. I'll, I'll pose a little debate here. What is the best football school that is also good at basketball? So like, you have the blue buds in football. Who's the best? Is it Alabama now? But I feel like that's recent. I mean, it is now, but they're uh, that's brand new. Yeah, they've been good for the last. Like right now, it's definitely Alabama. Yeah, right now it's definitely. Like, I'm saying in general, like in we're over- talking historical, like to what's the best football basketball school? It's got to be either like LSU or like UCLA. Does LSU have the basketball history? Like they yeah, like Shaq Shaq went there. <laughs> they've had good players. Ben Simmons. Yeah, no, you're right. They miss. They missed the tournament. Like UCLA is great at basketball, but sucks at football. They don't ah! suck. At football. Let's calm down with that. They're they're like usually a top twenty five team. Um, Texas, yeah. Texas. They have oh, Texas is a good one. Texas is probably the right answer. Although they've underwhelmed in both, they're like supposed to be better in both. But like historically, they're both really good. Florida, Oklahoma's on there too. Yeah. Does FCS count? Because Villanova, Villanova's oh, good. Stop. <laughs> Are they good at football? FCS wise, they're they're in Richmond's league. Um, yeah. But what about like the Florida schools, like Miami, like Florida, Florida State? Those are all. Does Miami have the basketball history? Does Florida yeah. State have the basketball history? Like Florida I think Florida State's does. Who's their head coach? Who? Florida State. He's like a big black dude. He's always really, really good. They always have like five, six, eight wings that run yeah. all over the. Well, court. that's the thing. Like Florida State and LSU are similar in that they're always so athletic. Yeah. Uh, his yeah. name is no, that's football. I feel like at times West Virginia historically might be the answer. Yes, that's a good one. West Virginia. At times, I don't know if they have it. Football. It Leonard Hamilton. Football. Football. Leonard Hamilton is the Florida State coach, but yeah, uh, UVA is terrible at football. Virginia uh, State. Like I'm thinking, the really good football schools like Ohio State, Michigan, they'll have a good basketball. Notre Dame. Team. I can't believe you haven't said Notre Dame. Well, it's because they're just so good football wise, and then I didn't realize how much of a basketball history Ohio State had. I was looking oh, yeah. back at it, and yeah, like they're definitely on the list. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. Also, Jeep, uh, you're gonna Oregon? love this one. Jeep, you're gonna love this one. I read an article. Of course, it was from like Notre Dame insiders. <laughs> uh, as a Notre Dame fan, I shouldn't be saying we've won eleven national titles. I should be saying we've won twenty-two. Because uh, that's like uh, you won all the titles in 1776. No, no, no. It's because Nordame actually officially is they they market wise say 11, but they do have a banner up of all the co championships that they've also won in their history. Oh, you know, interesting. Day when if they you're a in polls, and like this was up until like the 90s before the BCS system and stuff, there was like ties of national titles. And so Notre Dame should have 22. <laughs> If that's, you're that's, in college, you should absolutely be claiming those national championships. Yeah, yeah, you should like, be saying. I, I cannot fault any Notre Dame fan for that at all. Yeah, Alabama um, still hasn't passed us. Also, Notre Dame with a recent hire, football wise. Who they hire? Uh, I'm Tommy Reese from Alabama. The Utah guy. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, the thing, the whole Tommy Reese thing is he got passed over by Freeman for the job. Yeah. The job last season. I thought it was the right call. Like, I'm not saying Tommy Reese deserved the head coach job. I think he's still a little young and unproven. Yeah, but he was in the running. Yeah, he was in the running. His offense last year at times was really stale, and we had really bad receivers. So, like, that's hard to do, hard to, like, work with. Yeah. Now, coming in, the receivers are a year older. We've had good recruiting classes there. But I'm not too upset to see him leave. So, I was going to say, most Notre Dame fans don't really seem to be uh, too beaten up on the fact that he's moving on. What? He's going to do great at Alabama, and he'll probably get a Power 5 job after. Like, good for him. Yeah. If it was the Notre Dame OC and we had a couple more years like we've had, probably would have got, like, the Cincinnati job. Like, something at that level, which sure. is, like, a really good group of five, but not sure. Arkansas. And now he can go get the Arkansas job or something like that. So, I was kind of surprised. Say, I don't know if we talked about this. I was kind of surprised that he got the Alabama job. Like, is Saban running think, out of? Do people not want to work <laughs> anymore? Is is Saban running out of people to just just put in a circle? I think part of it is this: Saban maybe has two years left. Like, yeah, he's not sure how much longer it is. So you're hitching your ride to this, knowing that ah. there's a vacuum. Um, Lane Kiffin clearly throws his hat into this Alabama head coaching job and Saban's gone like every other week. As an old Miss fan, I'd be pissed. Yeah. But but clearly Lane Kiffin wants in on it. And the defensive coordinator is a guy he's had like six times, so he's not gonna be a threat. Yeah. I don't think Tommy Reese is getting the Alabama head coaching job, but I think he probably asked around and it was like, dude, you're gone soon. Like I don't yeah, I don't know if I want to be there. It's probably hard to re- it's still Alabama. But it only takes two years to get hired. I know. But it's 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 Alabama, and it's I'm not saying it's hard to recruit, but when you know that the like writing's on the wall that your best recruiter is going to be gone, yeah, insane. the recruiter. They just had the, the best recruiting class, though. I, I, I'm not saying it's hard, but I'm saying like the long term vision. Big shoes to fill. Big big shoes. Yeah, is tougher because when a kid's looking at a program at Kirby Smart, you know Georgia's winning national titles. Kirby Smart's going to be there the next ten years. You know, there's no yeah. switch up in the head coach there. But when the horizon looks like it's going to change at Alabama, it could change and they could get the next Nick Saban. Like, I'm, I'm not saying it could be bad, but, like, it's a little harder recruitment-wise. Yeah, too. obviously losing, like, arguably the greatest college coach of all time is is going to be tough. Tough transition. In the new SEC, too. And that makes yeah. it that much But luckily, better. luckily, the New England Patriots were big winners by getting offensive genius Bill O'Brien out of all of this. So... We're excited for next year to see what Mac Jones is going to do with DeAndre Hopkins, who are definitely going to get. There are very few people who would be a downgrade over Matt Patricia. (laughs) No, Bill O'Brien gets too much shit because of what a terrible, terrible, terrible GM he was when he forced the Texans to let him be a GM. He's a good coach. He just peer principled himself out of the NFL. He basically got fired from Bama. Like he wasted Bryce Young's best years. Maybe. But um <laughs> but uh what was I gonna say? I'd also say like the whole the whole head coaching GM thing is just a cancer for good good NFL coaches. Yes. It's too much. It. It's it's being a head coach is already too much. That's Andy Reid doesn't do it. And Andy Reid is probably the best coach ever besides Bill Belichick. Which I actually did want to talk about uh Bien-Ami because I have looked into it more since we spoke about like uh you know potential coordinators. And um 
I get I, I obviously one of the big factors that he doesn't call plays. So everyone just says this is Andy Reid's offense and everything. But I also saw LaShawn McCoy talking about how he is like not a player's guy at all. And the players like don't really like him. And Patrick Mahomes, there were some Chiefs players this week that were saying the complete opposite. Um, right. Obviously, he's like currently their coach. So who knows? Um, but I thought that was interesting. Patrick Mahomes is the star quarterback. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I've just been curious because there's no other like there, literally there's not another candidate out there that would make more sense than the enemy. So it's it's like there's got to be something going on here. Um, and I think that so might be it. There's there's something I, I, I saw that same thing. Yeah. And he's been hired by half the NFL. I think he's taken 16 interviews. Yeah. And nobody wants to hire him. And I yeah. think that there's a like there's definitely something up with him. And like you said about the Andy Reid thing, like he's behind the best offensive coach possibly. I mean, I don't want to say he's the best. That's modern offensive coach. He's probably the best modern offensive coach ever. Yeah. That's that's not a, yeah, that's not a crazy thing. The hot shots like McVeigh and Shanahan, but like Andy Reid has the resume. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I would take Andy Reid over them. Um, Yeah. It's, it's interesting with the B thing. I don't, I don't know if, what's really up with that but i would say i love lashawn mccoy obviously eagle legend but that man runs his mouth that is true he says a lot of shit he does like to talk i like some of the times that he says it where he's just like dad prescott sucks (laughs) but like like, he says a lot of headline grabbing stuff he does i'd love for everyone to just appreciate I'd love for everyone to appreciate how quickly we just went from NBA to college basketball to college football back to the NFL after we said we were done. <laughs> we're done with football yeah. for forever. <laughs> we're yeah. already back. <laughs> I think we're each trying to kind of spin the convert. Like I got it off of NBA and transitioned into college basketball, which I was able to get into college football. Uh, and then you took it oh, back. This is all your grand design. <laughs> so we're each kind of just hijacking the conversation and moving it in. I'm going to start hijacking into non-sports places. I mean, you can do that. Like, Oh, I will. I will. Have you guys seen the New Jersey Boys on Broadway? No. I, I did go to the ballet the other week. Did you really? Somebody asked me. They went, Sean, your, your poor head has thought about nothing but sports since you started this damn podcast. And I said to them, I went, I went to the ballet the other week. I'll How was it? Elegant? Saw the Ukrainian ballet. It was pretty cool. Really? What is uh what is one wear to the ballet? So that's what I was asking my girlfriend when we were going, and she's like, just just don't look like a slob. I'm like, oh, do, I, do I look like a slob? And what is like, that? Is that like a is that is that like a, a pole a, like a like an athletic polo? Or are I'm we talking wearing, about? I'll wear a button-down collared shirt and just a nice over sweater. Were, so. were we talking? We did talk. That's nice. Ooh. That's high class. We here at loud and uninformed are cultured. Very yes. cultured. Yes. I'm the Ukrainian gonna, ballet. Now that there's no football in the weekend, I'm probably going to hit a museum this Saturday. Ooh, oh, what museum? That'll be fun. So my mother's visiting, and uh, last time she was here, he did the history and the Chinese one, Chinese history, like art, and we also did the sciences. So maybe we'll go to the NGA, National Gallery of Art. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm I'm sure you've been, but yeah, I like it, but. I would definitely go back. You should take her uh, on a bike ride at two in the morning. Very placid, I hear. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's beautiful. There's nobody about. It was a great time. It's I like this is Sean Foley DC tours, and he's like, I felt like I owned the entire country. 
<laughs> we'll have to make a YouTube segment just following drunk Sean and his decisions. I'm like, I wasn't that drunk at that point. I'd come down. I just had so much adrenaline. Still I was just sad yeah. that I was just like, Dude. I can't lay in bed yet. And I was like, honestly, it was like it was a little bit rainy, but it was it was beautiful out. It was really nice. Probably contributes to it a little bit. Were you listening yeah. to tunes or was this just a silent ride? I was listening to tunes. Were they sad tunes? They were kind of like vibey EDM. Sure. Kind of, ah. You know, like some some like kind of mellow, kind of bring me down. Not like mellow, sad, kind of like just like calm the adrenaline rush down a little Sure. Bit. Sure. I'm just imagining like a like a music video of like you montage like biking through and then you're like laying on Lincoln's lap. Yeah. (laughs) And then it has you like walking around in circles at the Jefferson Memorial, just kind of appreciating the great men in the country that they built. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We'll have to do that for a uh, digital short for loud and unimportant videos that I'll send you guys. There were some beautiful (laughs) shots I took last night. I don't know. They're for me, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, have, we, have we done it? I think we've done it. Uh, listeners, job, guys. thank you as always. If you're here because Minge spammed your, your text messages last week, welcome. thank you for sticking around. Yeah. <laughs> I think we lost a decent amount of listeners. Um, I don't know. There are many different points in the conversation where they could have said, this is what they tune in for. This is what but, all of our, all of our listeners love is you know like Russell made it all the way back here. So and, and yeah, now, yeah, thank you, Russell. Foley made it. Jay Foley made it. Um, Jay Foley, my yeah. guy on Twitter. These are these are the guys who are going to be getting uh, getting free T-shirts when the when the merch drops. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to add your name to that list, engage, engage, engage. Ben Smith has etched his name on that list for sure, yeah. getting us our big. Big celebrity cameo. And I forgive you for all the mean things you've been sending me. Yeah, Ben is an instigator <laughs> for sure. But he's he, at, at night, at night, he turns into a little gremlin and sends me all these mean stuff. And then in the morning, <laughs> he's like, hey, Sean, love the podcast. I've got a Matt Grace interview lined there's, up. For you. There's two sides of him. I was watching the Super Bowl with him last night, and he was uh, fired up. <laughs> we watched it with t So we watched it with t Oh, obviously an Eagles guy. Sure. They kick the last field goal and he just gets up, goes, thanks for having me, walks out. Like, it was so sad. That's really what I did. I literally left the place I was supposed to sleep that night and said, I got a train. I'm leaving. 40 <laughs> yeah. people. I just got up and left. <laughs> I love it. I love the commitment. Across the city. How was the train ride? I love the train. Okay. It's well, that's like good. Quick. It's good to wake up in my own bed. Um, all right, fellas. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you, See you next time.